Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 136 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, it's been about a month now of weekly releases. How does it feel to go back to the uh, weekly Double Density grind as opposed to bi-weekly? I'm enjoying these Saturday afternoon records because it's just easier. Uh, although it leaves me less time to edit, but that's okay. Uh, because our episodes have been shorter in the last little while. It's been well, a while, to be actually. fair, I've also edited the last half of them. That's true. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I had issues to deal with, I think. I had to go to Cuba, and then we were in quarantine, all that stuff. Right. I, I like the shorter episodes. Uh, let us know what you think. DoubleDensity.net. Fill out the contact sheet, or whatever it is. <laughs> Really ringing endorsement there. Also on Twitter, double underscore density. Let's get that out of the way early. Um, so let us move on to some exciting tech news. It's a thing I've been hoping for. It seems like Apple's granting all of my wishes this year. New laptop that's actually good. And now a new iPhone SE that has 64 gigabytes of storage, Brian. That's four times what you have now. It is. Yeah. So I currently have an, uh, an OG SE with a 16 gigs. Uh, let me tell you, uh, hard drive uh, management is a fun little game I have to play with myself. Yeah, not much storage uh, when you've only got 16 gigabytes. I actually have that much RAM on my Mac. Well, okay, so uh, out of those 16, I actually have six total, right? Because um, system files, as well as everything else, takes up about 10. Yeah, so you have not much room for play there. No, and so I constantly have to uh, unload albums off of Spotify and then like uh, make room for two podcasts or whatever. Because for some reason, some podcasts encode at an impossibly high bit rate. Um, and then like an hour-ish podcast is almost like 200 megs. That's, that's uh, way too much. We encode usually at around uh, depending, 96, 96 about, or, yeah. or 128, depending. Yeah. We try to keep our episodes under 40 megabytes. Yes, which is not always the case. But uh, yeah, so a new SE looks exciting, except for the fact that there is no headphone jack, which is a huge <laughs> issue for me. Yeah, you'll have to uh, enter Dongle Town. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure. Or buy, by, uh, buy AirPods. Uh, that's not happening. I know you were contemplating that uh, while your wife was contemplating a new iPad and new AirPods, possibly, but uh, it is a luxury purchase. Let's, well, it's let's also her it. birthday next month, right? So, Oh, well then, happy birthday, right? Uh, y- right? Yes, yes. I, I meant more so in the, the, the realm of the, the possibility of obtaining those items as birthday gifts. That's what I mean, yeah. Oh, I see, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I mean. You should get them for her birthday, Brian. I should, yes. Uh, so apparently, according to the text, the the spec sheet, um, the the chip inside the SE is better than the current Android flagship. Yeah, it, they're using the same chip that's in the new iPhone 11s and 11 Pros, so they're really good. Apple with their A chips are so far ahead of everybody else; it's pretty unbelievable. I'm very excited. Yeah, I, I do think the next couple of months, whenever I do need to get a new phone, it's going to be the SE. 399 US, that's actually not bad for a phone of this caliber. If, no, if you don't mind least. just having a home button. But Touch ID is good, especially in the days of face masks. <laughs> that's a really good point. Yeah, I don't really mind having a home button. I'm, I'm so used to it now. And you have a slightly bigger screen too. They did not make, it's basically the iPhone 8 body. Uh, they did not make a pro size uh, model. Well, it's kind of redundant to have an SE Plus. That's just a regular phone. Well, no, because they don't sell the iPhone 8 Plus anymore. No, so what there's I'm saying no is like, actual phone what like I, that. What I'm saying is the SE Plus size-wise would be like a, a regular ranged phone. Like, Yeah, I guess it would cost an extra hundred bucks for sure. Yeah. But not a bad bargain, and especially the, um, the fact that the chip is so fast. It'll be a phone that'll last you at least three or four years without issues, especially with that 64 gigs of, uh, of space. Yeah, I'm really hoping to download a lot of uh, old episodes of Double Density to go through. 
Great. Uh, we just got a new iPad in this house. Fun to set up. Really easy to set up, actually. iOS devices, very easy to set up now. You just kind of wave an old iOS device in front of it, and it transfers everything over in terms of passwords and things like that. And then uh, you just download the apps, and uh, my daughter's happy. We have an extra iPad that actually uh, can run things like Disney Plus and Prime. Uh, your daughter didn't actually want the iPad, though. That's the funny thing, right? Like, what 11-year-old do you ask, hey, for your birthday, would you like an iPad as a gift from a whole bunch of us? Oh, no, it's fine. My iPad mini is fine. It's a 2013 <laughs> iPad mini, and a lot of things didn't work on it. I mean, it was fine for YouTube, it was fine for Netflix, but it was actually running the old versions of those apps, so sometimes there would be issues. And she finally said, you know what? Oh, it's okay. I, I don't mind. And uh, she's happy. 32 gigs of storage, though, not the, not the 64 you get in the iPhone SE, but 32 for an 11-year-old where most of the stuff we just stick it on iCloud Drive is fine. I'm glad to hear that it was uh, an easy process for you to sort of uh, move from one to the other. They've done a good job with that. I remember uh, being very weary of downloading my backup from iCloud and then restoring a new phone with that. I tried it a couple of times in the past. It was a bit of a disaster. It didn't work. But I think since like 2017, 2018, that process has become much, much better. And now they actually have the quick transfer thing, which I think we talked about in the fall when I set up my wife's new iPhone. It was pretty impressive how well that worked. How tired is she of hearing about all of your uh, different Apple hot takes? My wife? Yes, because I feel like you probably share all of these little advancements with her. I've learned not to as much. But she'll kind of uh, nod and smile. And in some cases, it becomes handy because she is now the go-to person of her friends for uh, Apple tech support. And by proxy, you. Yeah, but she actually knows a lot of this stuff. Okay, that's good then. Yeah, she's really good at this. And we've become Zoom experts too down the house. <laughs> Do you have a, what, what kind of backgrounds are you rocking? I had the beach going, the one that moves. And I had uh, the Aurora Borealis. I also am in outer space a few times. And one of my favorites is, you know the dog who's sitting in the burning room saying, it's fine? Yes. I have that too. You are the dog now. Yeah, there's no dog actually, it's just me. You're the dog, you're the man now dog. And I also have the meme of the guy and his girlfriend where he's looking back and the girlfriend's looking annoyed. And you're the, gr- the new girl? Yeah. Okay, perfect. At least that one you, you nailed properly. Yeah. You know what's weird? Uh, did you ever see that whole thing? How that, uh, I guess she's a model, right? She's in all kinds of different uh uh, stock photos where she has uh, like her mouth open in surprise. Yes. She's like the go-to actress for that model, <laughs> not actress, whatever. Well, she could be an actress too. You don't know yet. Yeah. Who knows? Angela, in these weird times, uh, we have to sort of uh, uh, acclimate ourselves to, uh, you know, living a different reality. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about your love of F1 and how they're doing racing, right? Yeah, they're doing a lot of that. Although, I mean, it's not the same. I haven't really been watching it, but it, it's kind of fun seeing the driver's do something with their lives. I mean, poor them, they're unemployed, right? So similarly, uh, NASCAR is, of course, doing iRacing uh, um, as a, a way to satiate fans' needs to watch NASCAR. Uh, so basically, as you were explaining a couple episodes ago, this is virtual racing. So a lot of these teams actually have their um, rigs for testing up already. So a lot of drivers um, step into them and uh, there are uh, weekly races. And sometimes, uh, you know, due to the live nature of these races, things happen. Case in point, NASCAR star Kyle Larson was fired for using the N-word during a, an iRacing virtual race uh, last week. What a dum-dum. It's, so he thought that he had lost connectivity with um, his uh, team, and then he uttered the uh, N-word. Uh, and then everyone uh, very quickly pointed out, we can hear you, Kyle. Guess what, uh, bud? Your, your mic works just fine. 
Ooh. My favorite, though, is, uh, of course, I uh, love to torture myself and headed to the comment section. Of course, let's let's check the comments. I haven't actually really looked at them. I'm sure I'm sure there's some great uh, bastions of human uh, intellect. Yeah, there. <laughs> um, so my favorite is I'm not sure if this is a troll or not, but Cindy Jenkins Mathis says I heard the conversation in which the N word was used. I do not think it was aimed at anyone. It was just said. So unfortunate. This man's career is over. Sound like it was a mic check. So sorry, Kyle. And then the first response is who uses the N word for a mic check. Yeah, and then the next response was, you are a special kind of stupid, aren't you? <laughs> um, uh, of course, uh, in these times, uh, the comment section is the, a vital institution to American democracy. Yeah. For a mic check, seriously? No, no. The first word that springs to mind for a mic check is that word? Yep, you're a racist. And yeah, I can't really disagree yeah. with that. Uh, I mean, like, if you're a 14-year-old edgelord, that, this is kind of your 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 brand of go-to sort of a verbiage to use. But as an adult with a career in NASCAR, knowing that there are people listening, potentially using that, don't don't think it's quite the right move, to be yeah. very honest with you. Um, and also, like, there is a, an uptick, of course, in hot mic moments uh, in these times as more people are uh, in media are working from home. Uh, the thing with that, actually, is uh, a lot of uh, people that have been, uh, quote-unquote, respected, uh, and had uh, their own talk shows are saying stupid things. For example, a couple of doctors that uh, have had their own spinoffs from the Oprah show have said a couple of really stupid things in the past few days. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, one of them, um, uh, a Texas-based man uh, whose first name is Philip, yeah, um, has said some insane things. And then uh, uh, another man uh, whose name rhymes with uh, uh, cause uh, also said really stupid things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, go look them up if you're interested. Uh, but uh, people are dumb. People are dumb. We have done away with the 24 hour news cycle and that's just an ever evolving constant news cycle, right? So beyond the 24 is the constant. And I do think in those moments you need to fill airtime or uh, tweet space, right? So I think the like uh, welcoming people with less than starlight credentials and uh, calling them uh, experts on on things is, is very, very dangerous. But uh, it speaks to the ever um, evolving nature of always on news. Yeah, I mean, every time I go on Twitter now, I just look and see what's uh, trending. And uh, right now, trending in politics, hashtag Florida morons. I don't even know what that means. Let me click on it. Uh, They opened up the Jacksonville Beach yesterday. Oh, man. Let us move on, Angelo, from uh, one subset of athlete to another subset of athlete. I link you to a Fast Company article entitled COVID-19 prompts Zoom doping tests for athletes. Yeah, I guess you're going to have to do it somehow, but um, is this the best way? And is it going to work, Brian? I don't know. So basically, due to the postponement of the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, um, the uh, the World Anti-Doping Agency uh, now forces athletes to aim their laptop camera at uh, the uh, their bathroom door um, <laughs> while they go take piss tests uh, and then um, show them the results. Very, very confusing times here. A little invasive. I mean, anti-doping tests in general are very invasive by nature, right? It's kind of the, the contract that you sign up for when you're a professional athlete who will be performing on the world stage. Yeah, but now it's like being... The thing with that is when it's done in person, right, it's not recorded. No. So some horrible person on the other end could be recording uh, these world-class athletes uh, peeing. Well, because the door's closed, right? So you're not supposed to see what you're seeing. So I guess you could hear it, perhaps. Yeah, it's just odd. I yeah. mean, look, it's better than being in a Zoom meeting and carrying your laptop to the bathroom with you. Well, which has also happened, right? Another hot mic moment. Poor Jennifer. <laughs> um, so Travis Tiger at the uh, U.S. Anti-Doping Agency CEO had said, the people who play clean want to be true heroes and role models. For the good of athletes, anti-doping has to reinvent itself in times like these to stay relevant. 
Yeah. Uh, I just, I just found this article interesting because it's like, these are a lot of considerations that you and I as like normal people don't necessarily have to um, think about and undertake when we uh, deal with uh, our day-to-day lives versus like athletes who uh, need to regularly submit to uh, uh, different testing. Yeah. Our day-to-day lives, for, I mean, for some of us, we're just working from home. Others are um, sitting on their balcony and uh, judging people who are walking too close together. That's what our life is preoccupied with right now. We never really give thought to what athletes uh, have to do when uh, they have to get tested for certain drugs. Yeah, it's kind of crazy uh, that uh, this is the new normal, but I mean, like nothing surprises me anymore, I guess, in hindsight. Well, look, uh, I'm going to add this to the category of the world is a weird place article of the day. Uh, you just posted this in our show notes. Uh, one of the more, I think this is like the last thing you posted. Again, also kind of to do with the athletics today. I don't know what's up <laughs> with us. This I just find the, these these stories really interesting because uh, these are not things, once again, that you and I think about. And I, and I didn't want to talk about like the pandemic and the ways in which other people necessarily talk about them on their podcasts either, right? Yeah, I think people are going to want to actually get away with from that. So uh, it's hard not to talk about it though, but maybe in a different way. And I haven't heard this story anywhere else. So I thought it was kind of cool. So uh, it is a CBC article entitled Taiwan's professional baseball league replaces human fans with cardboard spectators. And at first I thought it was, um, since it was, as it happens, I was uh, just wondering if it was a joke or not. It is uh, not a joke. Um, So basically the uh, Chinese professional baseball league has decided um, that for the benefits of players, there are a a ton of uh, cardboard fans (laughs) sitting in the stands um, this kind of reminds me of like old NES and SNES games, like the sporting games, like when you, when you're watching like, uh, yes. you know, an older NHL or NBA game and, exactly uh, or even the old WWF games, um, where the spectators had like one move or zero moves. Yes. Yes. So this literally, literally, literally looks like that. I used to, uh, it reminds me of the, uh, crowds actually on the side of the road in Gran Turismo. Oh, that's you. Yeah. But I mean, like very, very stationary, right? Yes. Yeah. They were, that's what they were like in, on the PlayStation, you would be doing the rally driving and you'd see basically flat people all around the sides. Yeah. Um, so they did an interview with Richard Wang, who is a commentator here. Um, so there are 500 cardboard cutouts of people so that they can comply with the physical distancing regulations. Richard says, oh, definitely. They're all sitting very far away from each other. Yes. Because the cardboard, uh, may catch the virus. Yeah. So the, the baseball teams as well as the cheerleaders are still there, but a lot of the fans are still um, hanging out, hanging around um, in cardboard form. I guess like it's, it's a good, if you're a Babe Ruth that, you know, you'd point to one of these cardboard spectators and try to knock their heads off or something, right? Well, the next step is actually to stick an iPad on their faces and have people's faces. Well, you joke about that, but that's what a lot of graduation ceremonies are doing. Really? Yes. Uh, In Asia, that's what they're doing right now. Fun. So uh, what you've dreamed up is actually reality, Angelo. I should copyright it. Uh, please. Uh, I would love to see you try and fill out a form. Great. <laughs> You've been filling out plenty of forms lately, haven't you, Brian? But uh, with our uh, with our government's weird way of doing things sometimes. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I love a strong, healthy social net. Don't get me wrong, but uh, trying to uh, navigate the corridors. Uh, my dad's an accountant um, and he often will tell me about his uh, anger at uh, both the federal and provincial governments uh, in terms of like the most uh, minute things. And now I, I only had a bit of it to, to deal with, but I can totally understand how he feels. Everything's weird right now. And uh, that's everybody keeps saying that. Like I had to take out my car for exercise today, basically, because the battery keeps dying because we're not using it. So I've, uh, I took it out for a little drive. So it's got its own little form of exercise. Uh, did you uh, speed at all? 
I did not. I'm very uh, conscientious of that. The, what a, that is so on brand for you. Yeah. Have you ever? Uh, like, have you, do you ever like be honest here between you, me, and like whoever's listening? Like, do you do you speed once in a while? I, I had a, I got a ticket once, but it was more because the uh, the speed limit was lowered from seventy uh, kilometers an hour to fifty, and I didn't know. Oh uh, right. So I got one of those, but no, I, I usually try not to speed. I, I, it would not surprise you. you shocking, to say, right? Shocking. Yeah. That was about to say, like, I think of the two of us, I, I tend to be a little bit heavier on the, uh, the gas sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> and with that, Angela, let us move from the mundane to the fantastical. I'll see you on the paranormal side of things, my friend. Great. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this week, Angelo, I served you up a uh, very interesting um, post on the UFOs subreddit entitled, Anyone notice how Wikipedia articles on big UFO events are usually watered down and obsessed with conventional explanations? I think, though, that has to do with the whole point of Wikipedia trying to be based on facts. Yeah, so uh, one of the top comments here uh, says, an encyclopedia typically aims to be a collection of facts. Um, uh, The funny thing, though, is like when you start reading this, you can kind of see the discord in between like what people wish Wikipedia were and like what it actually is. And so the idea of sourcing um, to uh, relevant facts, articles, et cetera, et cetera, doesn't seem to come up much on the side of those who slam skeptics who are really, really angry um, that skeptics, uh, there's a cabal of skeptics secretly ruling Wikipedia. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that though. They're, the people who are working on Wikipedia are trying to get facts in. We and the problem with UFOs, as much as you and I enjoy them, is that there's no real hard evidence. All the quote unquote hard evidence that people point to is circumstantial at best. So we can't put it in what's now almost becoming the Encyclopedia of Record, Wikipedia. This like if you were to look up Britannica Encyclopedia. In, in the uh, in the nineties, you wouldn't have found anything about the Falcon Lake incident. No, but Wikipedia have. will have it, but it'll just be a synopsis of what people have claimed to have happened. Actually, I haven't looked up the Falcon Lake incident on Wikipedia, but if this anything, it probably links to the archives of Canada that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and that's the most factual information we have. But you can't start having just documentation unless it's for that. Lake Monster in uh, Newfoundland that uh, they had those amazing uh, scale images. <laughs> right, of course. I forget that. And it got removed. It got removed because... Yeah, we, we looked it up. It's sad, but those were not actually to scale. Uh, somebody did work really hard in paint to get them up, but unfortunately they were not uh, deemed factual. A lot of people in the comment section, I don't know if you've had a chance to sort of like go through them. I agree with the ones that agree with me. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense to me that that Wikipedia would be posting facts. That's the whole point. And nothing that's circumstantial is going to get put on there. Or if it does, it gets removed. And that's what gets approved. One of my favorite things is like someone said, we should create our own alien Wikipedia. And then someone just responded with the word he. 
Of course. <laughs> so, um, all right. Like this is just uh, classic internet um, um, uh, comments. I do agree, unfortunately, with you, even though I don't want to, uh, uh, due to your confirmation bias about all this. But the idea of uh, Wikipedia um, sourcing relevant facts from reputable sources that aren't uh, random uh, YouTube videos of conspiracy theorists um, has long been a, a bone of contention with a lot of people in the conspiracy theory community that they write, and I'm not talking about um, uh, the more racist Zionist is bracketed they the people tend to use but just those in power um tend to want to keep real information um suppressed that is the mantra of the conspiracy community the cc let's call it <laughs> that community has it in their heads that be it the government or uh, the nwo or whoever they don't want us to have the information because they want us to remain sheep that's why they douse the atmosphere with uh, the uh, the chemtrails that uh, why you gotta bring make that us complacent, and up? that's why they've created 5G to get us all sick and all these things. <laughs> but they, in terms of the conspiracy people, think that they, in terms of the higher-ups and the authorities and all that, want us to maintain this specific view of the world and what is actually best for them to control us. Yeah, so I also linked you to a... Uh, uh, <laughs> A website called skepticsaboutskeptics.org, which is a weird organization um, to sort of, or sorry, skepticsaboutskeptics.org. Um, and I'm going to quote from their uh, Wikipedia uh, being captured by skeptics page. Yes. Uh, Wikipedia currently is the area in which dogmatic skeptics are most successful and influential. And then uh, further down the article, the Wikipedia skeptics work in teams, contrary to Wikipedia rules, and most are well-trained. They generally operate under pseudonyms. It is not necessary to have any particular skill or expertise to become an editor. Anyone can edit, but it is necessary to understand the complex rules of Wikipedia. So basically what they're saying is that the secret team of skeptics uh, works in tandem with uh, the ruling class in order to um, sublimate uh, whatever information is out there. And while you and I both know for a fact that yeah, there's probably stuff that we, uh, the general public, don't know about that the government's withholding from us. Dude, to this degree, is a little too far fetched, and it's kind of ironic when you talk about conspiracy theories about conspiracy theorists. It becomes a, some sort of weird uh, inversion rabbit hole. Yeah, that's like, essentially what it is, right? It's inception upon inception upon inception. Uh, it's a skeptic within a skeptic within a skeptic of the skeptics, and we can't fix that because. That's the whole point of Wikipedia, to get facts out there. You'll have, you can have your UFOpedia if you want. And then you can, there you can put whatever you want and get that information out that way. But Wikipedia is there to have factual things. And most people, let's face it, aren't going to Wikipedia to look at actual UFO stuff. If you want to look at UFO stuff, you go to the UFO websites where they, they uh, placate your bias. So to me, like if I logged into a Wikipedia page and I started reading a, a series of uh, sentences that read like statements of fact, I would ask to see some links or some sources or some resources to, to back these points up, right? And a lot of the time, a lot of these pages um, don't necessarily have them. No, because it's all anecdotal. Or if they quote a source, it's a source that doesn't have an actual source. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, once again, like, how do you substantiate a source, which is a whole other discussion to have, right? And uh, in some cases, I feel like, uh, sure, some of the edits made on Wikipedia pages um, are uh, of a, a dubious uh, moral validity, let's say. Let's put it that way. But in other instances, uh, linking to someone's blog spot from 2007 that has, like, badly written information, to me, is not a definitive source that women can go, oh, yes, of course. 
And with the skeptical about skeptics, are they going after science journals because they're only written by scientists? I haven't uh, dug that far deep into the website. I'm not going to lie to you. No, but (laughs) but that's what I mean, though, is that, of course, they're not going to be satisfied. But that's the whole point of peer review, right? Wikipedia is sort of like this huge sourced peer review thing where people correct each other, but then they sort of have fights. But still, you can't get false information on there. Well, you can, but you don't want it to stay. And I'm not saying that UFO cases are false. I'm just saying that you can't put... A general like there, the one of the uh, comments in the uh, on the Reddit post talks about the black triangles and how there's a, a weird discrepancy there where they talk like about a black triangle in 1561 and all the way it jumps back to the jumps up to the Belgian wave, but that's the way it was written on Wikipedia and they can only put things that they actually have sources about and they're they're claiming that people are editing these things to make sure the government doesn't get the information out there. Yeah, I mean, the idea of secret suppressed and uh, hidden information and knowledge has existed, what, for millennia at this point? Yeah, and if you don't, don't you just, just don't use Wikipedia. That's not, this is not what Wikipedia is for. If you want to get information on your wonderful conspiracies, go to YouTube, look up Flat Earth. There's going to be lots of stuff about it. Are they complaining about the Flat Earth stuff on Wikipedia that it's, uh, it, it keeps saying the Earth is round? Why? It's flat. I do believe that... Uh, the argument that skeptical about skeptics, uh, the website and, you know, its administrators make is that like skeptics have gone overboard in order to erase, um, anything, um, slightly even fantastical, right? Yeah. And any community is going to have their fanatical people like that. And I'm, and skeptics, uh, as much as you and I identify as skeptics, some of them go overboard, right? It's like the militant atheists. For sure. I mean, it's the same thing that you, I would, I would uh, say perhaps that you err more on the side on uh, when it comes to, to outright skepticism. I'm like an agnostic uh, skeptic. You also like to belittle and mock a little more. Oh, maybe. Yeah. But I try, I, I do that jokingly though, really. Right. Uh, I would love to see uh, someone get really angry at you. And then I'd be like, sorry, bro, I'm just joking. Instead of Wikipedia, like why not head over to Big Al's alien fact hunt Wikipedia? You know, like why not just create your own wiki? As you were saying. Yeah, or like the skeptics have their own Wikipedia called, what is it, Skepta, Skeptopedia or whatever it's called? Yes. You know, like I love to see Skeptopedia uh, go against, uh, you know, the above top secret forums. The big fight. You know, in, in terms of approaching skepticism, uh, being rational and reasonable, I think is is good to a certain degree. And I think that's the approach that you and I largely take when it comes to a lot of these paranormal cases where uh, you and I, uh, you know, look at the facts as they are. You know, we'll watch the 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 firsthand media if there is some, whether it be like an audio recording or a video or something, and then sort of like parse through it. Um, look at a logical explanation as to why. And I think that like if you uh, get rid of all the logical explanations and then only, you know, the the fantastical exists, then like, hey, that that could be it you know yeah well look look at your uh, other podcast co-host when he goes into ufo articles and topics on our strange skies he bases his stuff on good sources rob is one of the most conscientious of researchers when it comes to this that's why even though as a skeptic i i don't believe there's lots of ufos floating around the earth when he does research, it actually piques my interest because it makes sense. Yeah. He's not just going to Wikipedia for stuff. He's looking at really deep sources for this. Is Are they all true? Maybe, maybe not. But he's not an idiot, so he actually looks into things that make sense. 
And I wholeheartedly agree with that. And that's the thing too, is that like it, it takes a measure of uh, being able to approach and interpret um, a lot of different sources and sort of like synthesize that in order to come up with like a really good um, hypothesis or thesis about any given UFO case, for example, right? It's yeah, like you're saying, it's like super easy to log on the internet and watch one YouTube video and call it a day, which a lot of people tend to do on the internet. Let's be honest. Yeah. The other side of this argument is maybe they are a bit right. Like you said, there are like a group of skeptics that go in and take out everything, even though if it is a well-sourced article, they'll remove the information from the Wikipedia page. And that's, I think, more what the crux of this argument is. You have to kind of base it in a certain reality. And the truth is always somewhere in the middle, as cliche as that is. I think, once again, like I, we're just calling for reason here, I guess, right, as adults? And that's the problem. Some skeptics think they're all about reason, but they're not. They go overboard on one end and of course the true deep down believers that think billy meyer is the real thing are on the opposite side of this <laughs> did i tell you i accidentally watched a, a 10 minutes of a billy meyer documentary recently where it was just michael horn walking around the united states i think you mentioned to me off mic but not okay. on the show how was that brian uh, uh non-thrilling <laughs> do you get caught up into these uh weird documentaries lately the greer one although I, I i'd assume the greer one's a little bit better than anything to do with billy meyer the green one, I mean, like production-wise, is way better versus this is someone with a handicap following Michael Horton around as he does interviews at uh, radio stations, yes. And, I mean, if I had to choose uh, between who to be stuck in quarantine with, uh, I think I would choose Greer over Michael Horn. At least he's a doctor. Yeah, I guess that's like a good point. If I had to pick between the two, I would definitely, yeah, I'd probably select Dr. Greer. Yeah, Big and strong, uh, he could chop some wood for us. <laughs> also, uh, we would meditate as a group. Yeah, see, Greer's not a bad guy, I guess. Uh, after listening back to the episode last week, did you have any inkling that you'd want to actually watch the documentary? Possibly. I don't know, maybe with the kids? <laughs> uh, that'd be really interesting. They'd get really confused really fast. Um, you'd have to explain um, the uh, notion of the deep state to to your your children. Are you ready to do that? Yeah, Daddy, what's the deep state? <laughs> we, are, then, we are watching Doctor Who right now. Which is probably a little bit more confusing in terms of a linear timeline. My daughter's actually uh, catching on to it pretty quick. So you do have to show her uh, deep state videos then. Are you ready to have her fall down the uh, YouTube conspiracy theory hole? Well, maybe on her new iPad, she'll end up going, I'll be noticing, why are there all these flat earth videos in my YouTube uh, stream? So is she allowed on like regular YouTube now? She is, but she, uh, I'm lucky enough that my kids are pretty trustworthy and they watch what they're supposed to watch. She has not been watching much YouTube lately though. She's now, uh, you know, she watches stuff on Prime. She watches stuff on uh, on Netflix and uh, Disney Plus, mostly cooking shows. She loves cooking stuff. So uh, no alien things yet. Although they they do have access to, uh, it's sort of like a scholastic online thing where they can look at old books and stuff. And uh, I'd kind of pointed to, to an Area 51 book a few uh, a few months ago. I think I talked about this on the show. And uh, now that she has a better iPad, she can really uh, look deep down into the uh, UFO phenomenon. <laughs> like uh like father like daughter right exactly will you be she, doing a, she's like pretty a, skeptical though will you be doing a uh, podcast with her eventually about this maybe that would be fun you always joke about me replacing you but maybe in the end it is you replacing me it would be easier no audio drift true i mean but even then we don't really have that much going on here no we're actually pretty lucky in terms of uh mystical things i did manage to fool her with a magic trick this week so that was fun you haven't talked about magic and i feel like uh, uh i will grant you the next minute to talk about magic if you like no, I'm enjoying reading books, although uh, with the Canadian dollar being a bit lower than the American one, I'm reticent to order any new books, so I'm kind of going through my old ones and enjoying that stuff. I have um, 
We talked about this before. My first Amazon purchase in like the late 90s were two magic books. And I'm kind of revisiting those. Yeah. uh, For pleasure or like for actually like learning things? Magic books read like textbooks. I'm I'm sure I've talked about this before. They don't read like regular uh, novels or whatever or or any sort of uh, book that you would read. Um, but uh, so instead of doing podcast research, you do magic research, which is <laughs> uh, so on brand for you. Yeah, that's what we do. Don't worry, I I, I look at uh, the the links you send me. You're great. <laughs> Thanks, Angela. I'm really glad you're here. I feel like this is a great place to end episode 136 of the Double Desi Podcast. How does that sound to you? Sounds great. I uh, I think we rambled a bit tonight, but uh, it was uh, still fun. Yeah, but I mean that's, that's to be expected with a podcast like this. This is what our uh, hundreds of listeners come to. Or do we have thousands? Tens of thousands? Hundreds of thousands? <laughs> billions and billions of listeners, Angela. Yeah, we need to make this uh, podcast go viral. Uh, a big thank you to everyone who is listening. Let's do that right now. I'd like a very sincere thank you to all of our listeners out there. And if you'd like to uh, get in touch with us, as Angela said at the beginning of the episode, doubledensity.net, click on the contact form. Let us know how you're feeling during these times. Uh, are you enjoying uh, the coverage of the weird things that we're finding about this uh, new altered reality here um, in the world? If not, you can head over to Twitter. You can hit us up at double underscore density. Let us know how you're feeling. And then you can also find us on Instagram at double density podcast. Uh, so uh, we are planning in all paranormal episode for for next week right yeah uh we may or may not have a guest and that will do that i think from now on when we have a guest we're gonna stick to their area of expertise uh we may bring up the other areas uh briefly but we like i think you know if we have a guest on uh like when we had jonathan on he's an expert on video games so we talked about video games that made sense it did, yeah. And in this case, uh, we're going to have uh, someone who's uh, well-versed in uh, a lot of the paranormal, um, especially uh, ufology, so I'm very interested um, in seeing uh, where that goes. Uh, once again, like we're not sure if it's 100% going to work out based on all... Uh, you never know, right? So why not just hedge our bets here and say we're probably going to have an all-paranormal episode next week. And if we don't, then we'll uh, be uh, outed as liars. Yes, and I hope that uh, someone on a forum somewhere gets mad at us. Of course. I haven't really found anybody talking about us on forums, but I don't really look too far. You haven't, no, you don't, uh, you have no Google alerts set up, Angela. I'm disappointed in you. You do, don't you? No, I do not. Okay. <laughs> uh, Angelo, it's been a pleasure. And I want everyone to tune in next episode as, you know, I don't know, f*** it. <laughs> what? See you, dude. All right, bye.